Creators in Saigon, where we interview creative entrepreneurs to uncover truths about life and learning more about ourselves. I'm Dana, and with the support of my co-host Lam. Hello, everyone. We choose a topic to focus on with each guest, and today we are talking about healing, and particularly about inner child healing. So we've thrown around these terms a few times on the podcast, talking about healing, inner child healing, speaking our truth, things like that. And so today we really just want to kind of take this back to like healing 101 and kind of understanding the basics of what we're talking about and trying to give you some really sort of concrete examples and understandings of what we're talking about. Because it's so important for everyone to do this and it's something that we're not educated about in school we're not educated about in our homes so we're hoping that we can give you some more insight into this and to help us with that we've brought in a highly trained expert miss rachel jones welcome rachel thank you very much dana it's a pleasure to be here rachel is originally from the uk I am obsessed with her accent. Thank you. <laughs> I want to just record you reading a bedtime story and yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just fall asleep to that. It's like that ASMR yeah. kind of vibe, yes. <laughs> yes, meant, meant to be a therapist, I think, with that voice. Thank you. Uh, so she has studied with some of the world's leaders in subjects from science of the mind to soul evolution in the UK, Dubai, the Netherlands, and Bali. And now she lives and works in Vietnam. And she's trained in many modalities, such as Reiki, life coaching, cognitive behavioral therapy, crystal and energy healing, and much more. But ultimately, she fell in love with transpersonal regression therapy and integrated clinical hypnotherapy. Woo! Sorry about that those titles. That is a mouthful, <laughs> and don't worry, we will explain. We'll go into detail what these are, because uh, I can barely even say them, <laughs> let alone understand it myself. Um, and Rachel lives here with her husband, and they love outdoor adventures, but they don't always go to plan. I want to hear, first of all, more about this off-roading story with a local and a shotgun. Yes, that was quite scary. Um, we had gone dune bashing. We lived in Dubai for 10 years and we'd gone dune bashing, which is where you drive along a, a dry riverbed. Mm -hmm. um, and we got into all sorts of trouble. We got stuck. We nearly fell down a huge kind of vast cliff um, totally inexperienced but thought let's do this and I as a result had got into a really bad mood so I was kind of growling at my husband and he was trying to get us out of the you know the trouble um, and a local uh, an emirati in a full dish dash came along and 
he was chatting to my husband through the window um, and they were having a conversation. I was kind of kind of growling at him from the other side, from the passenger seat. So we we got out of the trouble and he drove off at a speed and we kind of toddled along on our waddy bashing. And as we drove around the corner, he was standing outside of his 4x4, leaning on the wing with a shotgun in his hand. And all I could think was, I'm so glad my husband was nice to him. (laughs) Because we were in the middle of nowhere on a dry riverbed. And we kind of were able to just kind of gesture high and keep... He was hunting, but it was a bit unnerving to come across that as you drove around the corner. So, yeah, we kind of got into a a few pickles on our adventures but it's all good fun it's all part of the experience of course (laughs) wow oh my gosh all right so getting into these crazy long terms yes transpersonal regression therapy and integrated clinical hypnotherapy Ooh, someday i'll 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 nail it so can you explain as if you were talking to someone who has no knowledge, like never heard of these before. What exactly is it that you do? Yes. Yes. Apologies for the titles. <laughs> I tend to just say that I'm a therapist or a regression therapist. Yeah. I work mostly with transpersonal regression therapy. And if you break it down, transpersonal is beyond the person. So it means that we shift the consciousness from inside of the body where we normally are and we go to different spaces of consciousness. Like if you were doing a transatlantic flight, mm-hmm. you would be over the Atlantic. So it's it's based on that process. And regression is going back. Um, so that's really what transpersonal regression therapy is, is we leave the physical body on, you know, the consciousness, and we go back to the moment of trauma. So transpersonal regression therapy and clinical hypnotherapy is based on two truths, two very simple truths. Number one, everything starts somewhere. So whether we are a person who has the symptoms of depression or anxiety or stress or we've become a very angry person. It started somewhere because when we were born, we were none of those things. It's a learned behavior. It's something that happened in the past that put us into this space or this energy or these feelings. So that's the first simple truth that we work on. Or the second, if it's not through a specific traumatic event, it's a pattern of behavior. So we've learned to do something over and over again, sometimes with no logic, rhyme or reason. We're just stuck in that pattern. And we'll see this things like, you know, people who are in abusive relationships, you know, physically, mentally, and they'll get out of a a relationship that's abusive and go straight back into another abusive relationship because the way the mind works, we get into these patterns. So the therapies really go down those two routes in finding the core issue because the anxiety, the stress, the depression, the anger, whatever it is, are simply symptoms of a core issue. So we don't work in these therapies with symptoms because if you work only on symptoms, you'll be working on them for the rest of your life. You know, in the minute you stop working on them, they'll come back into your life. 
So what we do is we go back with the regression to the moment that it happened, the moment that you learned a new behavior or decided something new about yourself. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. People are not safe to be around. Adults are dangerous. And then we create behaviors to support that. So that's the place where we need to heal. And once that healing is done, it's what we call deep personal transformation. It means you transform on multiple levels, mentally, spiritually, energetically, and physically. We look for those shifts. And in those areas, we find that there's four main areas where I will work. So we can simplify it right down. Issues in life will come from only one of four areas. The first you mentioned was the current life where we, nowadays we kind of give that the title of inner child. Whether the inner child is three or 33, we can have adult inner children. Even our yesterday self becomes an inner child um, because they carry a different energy to the energy that we're in today. So we have current life issues with inner child. I work in past lives. So this is where energies and stories haven't been digested in that life and they're carried over into the current life to be processed and digested. We work in a space called, which is now again titled Life Between Lives. So from death to the next incarnation. And this is a period of reflection and rejuvenation for the soul. And it's where we write the life purpose and the life plan. Um, so a lot of issues can be there that perhaps we see them as issues in the current life, but actually we signed up for it for our soul evolution. Um, and then the final part is we work in the womb. So prenatal, because so many decisions are made there. Um, so many belief systems are born there because we experience everything during that nine months in the womb. And those are the four areas that we work. Got it. Thank you so much for that wonderful explanation. I'm wondering how someone is to know that they need one of these kinds of therapies because I'm imagining myself sitting there like, oh, I'm depressed. I wonder if I need some... Life between lives. Life between lives. Like, yeah, like that would never, you know, come to my mind of, oh, I need some life between lives therapy unless I had heard about it before, maybe. So I guess how do how do clients find you and I guess sort of walk us through the process of the therapy from when the client comes to you to all the way through? Okay. The first important thing about the therapies that I use is we do not diagnose. Mm -hmm. So I don't sit and you tell me your issues and I say, oh, this is what is wrong or this is the issue or the problem. We don't diagnose. We don't talk about ideas. We don't get involved in philosophies. We work with what is in front of us. So the messenger for the client is pain. And we use the acronym pay attention in the now. Pain is a messenger to say something is ready to change. It's surfacing in your life in some manifestation. It may be a mental issue, you know, that you can't get out of these spiraling obsessive thoughts. It may be 
manifesting in the energy body where you just feel disintegrated, you know, there's no life vitality. It may be even dis-ease in the physical body where you start to go into the physical body disintegrating. But it's pain and it's saying you need to do something. And that's the only reason anybody will look for change because none of us like change. You know, the subconscious mind hangs to the known. It doesn't like the unknown. So the only thing that really pushes us into a space of change is pain because the space we're currently in is too much to deal with. And that's when people will come and find somebody like me to say, I just can't do this anymore. I can't live with this depression or this sadness or this anger. And then because we don't diagnose, I don't know at the beginning of a session that we're going to go life between life Mm. or somebody will spontaneously regress into a past life. Um, And this is where these therapies are an art form. We follow the trance. Um, So one of the people, one of the things people often say to me is, do you put people in a trance? And the answer is no, my job is to get you out of it. Because when you sit opposite me in the room, you're already in the trance of the depression. And my job is to get the story clear on what happened. And then we can work out how to bring you out of that. And like I said, what happened will sit in one of those four places. So the trance is the tool that I use to find the story. So the client will tell me where they're going to go. And that's the challenge of this therapy is a client can go anywhere. And I'm right behind them. So if they turn left, I have to make sure that I turn left and don't disappear off to the right. Um, and that's the challenge of these therapies for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was one of my questions. Like, what is the most difficult part about this job? How do you make sure that you're you're following them and that you're staying grounded? I mean, a lot of it is about being very present um, and connected with the client um, and being aware of myself. So my body will tell me if something's wrong. So if somebody, for example, is carrying an energy that's not theirs, I'll feel it in my body because energy feeds on energy. And I feel myself maybe getting a bit sleepy or tired. And in that moment, we say kind of shields up and we close the auric space. And I stand in my space because if we're shifting energies out, they can jump. Um, So it's having a real awareness. The risks are the biggest risk in therapy, in this type of therapy, is integrating into the client something that doesn't belong to them. Um, so, for example, if we're doing inner child healing, mm-hmm. um, if there is a external energy, it can show itself as the inner child, but it's not the client's energy, this game playing. So we have to be very careful that we don't integrate into the client something that doesn't belong to them. Mm. Um, that's probably one of the greatest risks And also not seeing what's happening. So if I kind of get distracted by something going on outside the window, the client could be presenting a kind of psychosomatic charge. The body may start twitching. Mm -hmm. And this is the communication from the body. And if I miss that, then I miss a critical part of the 
you know, the story. Mm-hmm. So it's really staying very present in that process every step of the way. Mm-hmm. You've told me before that you consider this a kind of art form. Can you explain more about that? Why do you see it as a form of art, what you do? Like yourself, and I think we've kind of touched on this together as well, mm-hmm. is for a presenter and also a therapist, probably the greatest art form is questions, Mm -hmm. is being able to ask the right questions at the right time to get the answers that you need to move forward. So developing that craft that we kind of study and learn, and the more we use it and the more experience we get and the more comfortable we are in asking questions, it transforms into a kind of art. It's a dance Mm. between the therapist and the client or the presenter and the guest. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably one of the most critical tools to my craft, um, is that I ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And I started to count how many kind of therapies I work with, and I got up to about 84 different therapeutic interventions. Um, so that means I have all of those kind of brushes, mm, you know, in my, in yeah, your, absolutely. In your and it's where I pull from, how I go into the session, um, when the client leads me, how do I facilitate that to get the story straight, um, and then to move into the healing process. So I have so much to pull from. The art is being able to use the right brush, or the right therapy at that moment in time to get the very best outcome for the client. Mm. Because they're also in a very creative space because they're recreating how their life looks. Mm. They're moving out the things they don't want anymore. They're retrieving things that were lost or taken from them. Um, So it really is like a dance that goes between therapist and client. Um, and it's an incredibly beautiful and creative space to be in. Mm -hmm. There's no set plan. There's no set route. Every client is completely individual. Mm -hmm. And Lam, since you are a mentor as well, does any of that resonate with you in terms of what you do? Do you experience? Oh yeah, like 95%. (laughs) I'm just like sitting here and just like leaning back and enjoying taking it all in. in. And it's like, yes, yes, that's how I'm feeling as well. She's just describing like my everyday job Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just really an art form and every client is just like every new story and just different individual and you just like really need to be present in order to connect with that human being, with that soul in order to help them like really efficiently and it's just, it's just beautiful to see someone just putting what I've been doing, but in really beautiful, precise words like Rachel just did. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. And I I like this acronym of PAIN, too. I had never heard that so before. Funny. And um, in the previous episode that we just did, we were talking about pivotal moments in terms of these moments in our lives when we look back from here to back then. Um, 
these moments that really like shifted things and mm-hmm. put us kind of on a new path. And uh, in the conversation before, we weren't necessarily talking about painful moments, but that is often the case when when there's a big change you look back and you're just like man I was at rock bottom at that time and there was there was nowhere to go but up in that moment and yeah it's it's so true like you need to be just in so much pain that you're like I I will not take this anymore something has to be done something has to change the the most sensible thing is not not to get to that point is when the pain enters do something about it there Mm -hmm. but sometimes you're so right Dana that it's the breakdown before the breakthrough you know Mm -hmm. some people have to go on that journey Um, it's much easier that when the pain comes a knocking that you answer that door quickly and yeah. seek the kind of whatever the support is, wherever that comes from, um, to move out of that space. Because mm-hmm. the more you ignore it, the louder the knock becomes. Yeah, that's and so true. The more intense the pain becomes. Yeah. You know, a tap on the shoulder ends up being a kick up the backside. Yes. You know, it will really go that way because it's on a soul level is saying, okay, we need to move out of this space now. Mm. I think an important thing to um, just mention, because when people talk about regression, sometimes regression therapy gets a real bad name because the question is, why keep going into the past? Why drag up the past? Mm -hmm. The present is bad enough. Why, Why keep going back and dragging things? And the reality is most of us average people are not very present. We're either thinking about what happened to us yesterday and how unfair it was or how bad it was, or we're projecting into the future through fear and stress and anxiety of what may be. You know, we look at the Buddhist monks and, you know, their life is about just sitting and being present and spreading that energy into the world. But that's what they do Mm -hmm. from morning to night. We don't live those lives. We live manic, busy, crazy, pressurized lives. So it's very rare that we're in the present and that's the only place that life exists. Mm -hmm. So we have to go back through the regression to these places because by doing that, in the therapies that I use, we relive the experience. Now, we don't relive that to re-traumatize. We don't, if you do it well, reliving does not mean re-traumatizing. It's cathartic. It's the only way that you reach the level of catharsis, which is the deepest level of healing. You know, the first level of healing is what we call oracle healing, where you just go and see it and say, ah, that's what happened. And it's like a therapist being a tour guide, Mm -hmm. but it's very limited in what it will do. And sometimes it can cause problems. Mm -hmm. Is that one more of just a mental awareness? Yeah, because you can bring stuff into the awareness that was very suppressed Mm -hmm. and repressed. And then all of a sudden the client's going, I didn't even know that happened to me. You know, especially in abuse cases, um, you know, when we're much younger, those memories are buried. Mm-hmm. And if we just go and relive this as in, in an oracle kind of viewpoint, we don't get the story. Why did it happen? How did we come to be in that space? What effect did it have on us? So we do the regression and the reliving 
in order to achieve the catharsis. And the product of catharsis is liberation. Mm. So when this is done right, from beginning to end, the client will feel liberated. And if your audience and listeners go on Google liberation, Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful word, you know, what it represents. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we're looking for Mm -hmm. in the process. So 50% of the therapy is the reliving and understanding the story. We need to know how did this happen? Why has it gotten worse, you know, in the last five years of my life? And we have to then, the fifth, next 50% is getting the story straight. Because without the, we're very logical as human beings. We're intellectual and we're logical. So that that part of our mind wants to know, why am I so depressed? Why can't I pull myself out of this? I know I'm here. I don't want to be here. So it's critical that that part of our mind also gets to understand exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing that point up because I was going to bring that up as well where it's like why why is it better to know uh, about these traumatic events instead of just remaining blissfully unaware and just going about our life? What are the consequences for someone as an individual and as society as a whole if we if we don't go back and truly heal the root cause Mm -hmm. of the issue I remember when I was training and as we train we have to go through all these therapies ourselves we have to do the transformational work because if I have inner children that aren't healed and I trigger in a session that means that we've got two clients and no therapist to get us out. So we don't want to do that. So we go through our own healing transformational journey. And I remember saying to my teachers, when does this end? You know, when do I, when will this stop that I have to keep doing this work? I wish, I remember saying at one point, I wish I'd never started. And he sent me an email back and the one line was, Ignorance is bliss, but it's not an excuse. (laughs) And that's always stuck with me. The reality is you came here, we all did, to live a life. A life that has multiple purposes for being here. We come here to self-actualize. And all of these things, these traumas that we carry, are blocking us from doing that. Mm. So it means... It's a responsibility that we have to ourselves to heal those blocks, remove those blocks, so we can actualize the life that we came here to live. Mm. And like I said, when somebody comes to me, they may think that they're present, but the trance Mm. is the problem of the past. So the depression is not even necessarily why are you depressed, it's why are you still depressed? because depression has a very specific cause. And depression is designed to tell you that there's a part of you that is stuck. And she or he cannot get out. They can't get up. And what they need is you to go and lift them out of the darkness into the light of the now. That's what depression is designed to do. So. If we don't travel that journey, 
and go back and retrieve that part that is stuck and bring them into the light of the present moment Mm -hmm. and heal them, that's when you get stuck in the constant loop of, we're talking about specifically as an example, depression. Mm. So you think that you're not in it, but you are. You know, the past is with you every moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And it limits your ability to live life fully when you're stuck in a story of the past. And that's why the regression part is so critical, is to go and find those parts that are stuck mm-hmm. and retrieve them and heal them. Mm-hmm. And you, if you don't heal it, does it pass on then to the next generation and the next? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we know through, you know, like I said, we don't diagnose, we don't talk philosophies. This is what we've experienced in therapies and looking at case studies, not just in these modalities, but many different other, what they class as healing modalities, um, is what is not digested in this life will pass on to the next generation. And this is where we see ancestral and generational issues coming through, is what is not digested here, you'll pass on to your children. You know, sometimes we find a situation where uh, a woman has a lot of problems and she gives birth, she has a child, and her transformation is miraculous. All of a sudden, all of these problems have gone, and the belief is it's the gift of the child. (laughs) But the truth is the energy of the problems have passed on to the child. Mm. Because we have to ask when we have children that are dysfunctional, or depressed or have high anxiety and stress, how? How can a child, an innocent child, be carrying that? It's not their energy. So we also have a responsibility to deal with our own crap now so that it doesn't move through the generations. And is that why in your therapy you mentioned you have to make sure uh, the client doesn't, doesn't walk away with something that's not their own? Absolutely. You know, we can be carrying mother's energy, mother's belief systems that aren't our own and they don't serve us well. And it's like dragging baggage along with you. Um, That's interfering with your own life. Um, So the two things that we do in these therapies is number one, return. Return what doesn't belong to us. And the second is retrieve what we lost because we were carrying mother's energy. And do you think a lot of people are walking around in this world in a lot of pain and they're not even aware that they're carrying this pain? Yeah, we can just get used to it. Mm -hmm. You know, we accept it. You know, we all have a level of what, what we refer to as homeostasis, which is our norm, you know, what's normal for us in life. You know, I work with clients who have very peaceful lives, but clients who have very chaotic lives, but they're okay with the chaos Mm. because that's the level of homeostasis. And the risk is if we just resign ourselves to that, oh, well, this is what life's supposed to be like, or this is what my life is. You know, I worked with a client just last week and in the trauma, he made two decisions. The first one is life is tough. And the second is life is shit. Mm. And guess what? life became very tough and very shit for him. (laughs) 
And there was a resignation to, well, that's just how it is. So that's what we have to, with self-awareness, become, you know, aware of that. I don't want to live life like this anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times we kind of hear people with that understanding that, oh, life is just suffering and just have to get through it and deal with it. And this is life. Bad things happen. But there's also so much good things happening and it, it doesn't have to be so much suffering. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we say at the end of a session or at the end of a therapy, however many sessions that may be, is life is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in what we call the Earth School, which is a very dense planet, very dense energy. We experience everything dark, anger, frustration, uh, fury, rejection, abandonment. And then we also experience joy, happiness, you know, all of the positive. Mm. That's we experience all emotions. Um, And that isn't going to change with therapy. Mm. You know, life will still have its ups and downs. What changes is our ability to be able to live in that. We say we learn to, excuse my language, aquaplane across the shit. (laughs) You know, that's what we learn to do is that, yeah, you're always going to have a boss that's a pain in the backside. Mm. You know, you're maybe not going to get exactly what you want in the workplace. Relationships are going to be challenging. You know, you're going to get on one day and then the next day you're going to be arguing with each other. It's the nature of life. That won't disappear. But the way you're being able to move through that and manoeuvre through that will be very different when you're present, heal, whole and complete. I see. So it's not like once you're healed, everything in life just becomes... (laughs) blissful and easy and you're just like floating around and nothing's a problem (laughs) i wish (laughs) oh my gosh i have just one question at this moment is just out of my curiosity have you ever experienced any kind of client that you feel like you cannot get through them we have two specific contraindications to these therapies. The first one is manic depressiveness, not because of the symptoms of the condition, but because of the medication. So people who are heavily medicated, what it does that medication is it suppresses the subconscious mind and that's the place where all the answers are. So we can't regress, we can't find the story. And psychosis, we can't work with psychotic people because they don't have a clear grasp on what's real and not. So they're the contraindications. The second thing that comes into play is um, we call it the square of trust. And that is that the client believes in themselves that they will are ready to work through their what is undigested. Mm. The therapist trusts themselves, so therapist to therapist, that they have the skills and experience to help the client. The therapist trusts the client, because a lot of the time the client just sits down and says, fix me, (laughs) heal me. (laughs) Not going to happen. And that the client trusts the therapist. If one of those is not in play, then I would refer the client because we don't have the solid therapeutic foundation to work through a lot of the times very difficult situations. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So that that would be the moment where I'd say, I'm not the right therapist for you. Um, Let me refer you to a a colleague, which is why it's important as a therapist to have a network because it's, you know, people respond to different therapies and different therapists. Mm -hmm. So that is the right thing to do for a client. It's always what's best for the client. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great answer. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So what I would love to do now, if you feel comfortable sharing like a specific case study that kind of gives us sort of a walkthrough of what it would look like in a session. There's two that I've kind of thought about in advance Mm -hmm. um, for very different reasons. Is the first one was a, a... kind of youngish guy, he was in his late 20s, came a, a across. Um, and his issues were panic attacks. Mm. So he'd have random panic attacks, um, you know, multiple times a day. He specifically mentioned when he was in the gym, he would have panic attacks. So you kind of register, that's quite strange. Anything that sounds strange or not normal, we register and think, okay, there's a story there. People don't normally go work out and have a panic attack. Mm. Um, so we kind of did a little bit of, you know, case receiving where we asked questions and we couldn't find to see the pattern. So remember what I said, there's two very simple rules. It's an event or a pattern of behavior. And we couldn't clarify, oh, it's when I'm here or this happens. Um, so we go into the session and the regression takes us to a night where he's out clubbing. So he's night clubbing and he's taking drugs. Okay, so he's kind of consuming drugs and alcohol and he goes way over his limit and he overdoses. And the next thing that he's aware of in the regression is being in the back of a taxi being rushed to the hospital. And there's a lot of chaos, people shouting, friends um, in the taxi with him. And he becomes very aware in that moment that he's dying. And he becomes very aware of his heartbeat just slowing down, becoming softer and just the rhythm slowing down. And he becomes very aware, like I said, in that moment that the body's dying. And in that moment, The decision, because in a moment of trauma, we make decisions, conclusions. It's the first thing that we do. And his beliefs in that moment was, what a waste of life. Um, This is so stupid and needless that this is happening, and it's too soon. He wasn't ready to die. Luckily, they got him to the hospital in time, medical intervention, and obviously he survived the experience. The problem is now in the current life is the trigger for him is when the body temperature rises or the heartbeat moves. So when he's in the gym and he starts pumping Mm. and the heartbeat increases, that's the trigger point and the panic attack because for him, that feeling is life-threatening. That part of his psyche triggers and awakens up that adult inner child and goes, oh my God, I'm dying. Mm. Does it make sense? Yeah. So we realized it was, that's the trigger point was when there was a physical change in the temperature of the body because with the drugs, his temperature went through the roof and it was the heartbeat 
um, the shift in the heartbeat that made him realise he was dying. Mm. Um, so the trigger was during predominantly through exercise in the gym. So we healed the inner child mm. and now panic attacks completely gone. Wow. Okay, I have a few questions. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get to the the moment of regression? Like what is that? process is it some kind of meditation or how do you how do you lead the client to that he's already in the trance when he sits down he's already in the trance of the panic mm. of the panic so how does the panic attack make you feel it makes me feel out of control it makes me feel like i'm dying and that gives the command go back to the first time you ever felt you were dying i'm in a club so remember the trance is the tool that I use to follow the story. He's already in it um, because we start pushing him deeper into the panic, into the feeling of panic. The only way to resolve an issue is to go through it and then you'll come out the other end. So we push him into the panic. How, Like I said, how does it feel? And he's already in the regression. He's already there. Okay, so you're so you're asking questions, like you said before, asking the right questions Absolutely. and kind of letting him lead you. Absolutely. Mm. So two things happen in regression. We either are associated, which means he is now the 20-year-old in the club. Mm. What do you see? What do you smell? What music's playing? We deepen the trance. You know, we deepen that process. The second thing is, he will see it from a disassociated point of view or I can see myself I'm in the club mm. we switch when one's not working when all of a sudden because what will happen with drugs is the consciousness gets diminished mm. so the minute that he starts to say I don't know mm. what can you see I don't know that's the drugs moving into his system so now we pull him out okay now see this from a bird's eye view see yourself what's happening to yourself what what's happening to the body i'm crunched up on the floor do you get so we move between associated and disassociated depending on the on the the story if people have head trauma again consciousness is out so pull them out and have that overview then you get the story mm-hmm. got it for him it was very associated mm-hmm you know, okay. he relived the experience fully, mm-hmm. which leads to the catharsis. Mm-hmm. So when I heard the story and it's right away, I was thinking like, wow, I can totally relate to how he was feeling. Because mm-hmm. until that day, I still cannot really have like vigorous exercise because when my heart like... Um, goes up the heart beats mm-hmm. then it will right away brings me back to the childhood where my mother like she abused me pretty much every day so i always always like in this state of mind i fight or fly and like constant you know like my 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 heart just like beating so fast yeah. every day mm-hmm. so now whenever i exercise or i even just like walk a little bit faster or just like get out of bed too fast and then I just drink coffee drink coffee yes that's Mm -hmm. why I cannot take caffeine Mm -hmm. it just brings me back to those you know face Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so totally can very rarely um, 
We call that the ISE, which is the Initial Sensitising Event. And normally that event is not known to the conscious mind. So you have, because of the work that you do, uh, a higher awareness of self. Um, and when consciousness is shifting, you know, when you work in this, you kind of get a sense of it. You can smell it and feel it. But the ISA is normally not known to the conscious mind. So this guy had no idea that these panic attacks were coming from this moment. Um, and we find that in 99% of the therapies is that ISE is not known. So that's why the regression is, the regression is so important. Mm. And in this particular case, he, he knew that this event had happened, right? Like he knew, oh, he re- yeah, yes. he knew that he was in the hospital. He knew that he almost died. Um, he just hadn't connected the dots. Didn't yet. realize in that moment he was making decisions mm-hmm. and strategies and that the body was holding those charges because they were life-threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, the subconscious mind, its primary focus is to keep you alive. And whether that's by running your respiratory system so you breathe or keeping the heart pumping, which comes from the subconscious mind, the subconscious mind is also the storage space for all memories. So the minute the body starts to feel the psychosomatic charge, the subconscious is kind of gone, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a warning sign saying, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die because its job is to keep you alive, become aware, stop what you're doing. Mm. And this is why the panic starts to raise. It's the subconscious mind, Mm. like you said, Lam, putting you into fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. and that's the process that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so have you you had clients who didn't even remember this event in the past? So like you were saying, if the subconscious holds the memories and it's, it's... your body does its job to protect you in any way it can and sometimes maybe the body just chooses to shut down and and just repress those memories as a form of protection so has that ever been the case absolutely and it's very common Mm -hmm. again the mind is so smart especially when trauma happens when we're very young the mind will suppress repress lock away memories that are damaging that the child has no way of being able to deal with. So kind of the another case that I'd like to share is um, this was a woman and a client comes with what we call presenting issue. So this is my problem, which tends to be very different from the core issue, um, which is where we end up doing the work. So the presenting issue was relationship problems. You know, she really wanted to find a a good man to be in her life. Beautiful, successful woman. Nothing about her, very sensitive, would suggest why there would be a problem meeting somebody. Um, If she met somebody, she wasn't able to hold the relationship for very long. So real kind of issues. And, it, you know, the result was she was very lonely, very sad um, and living in this space. So this is what she presented with. We go into the session and she sees herself in the corner of a very big room. Because what we have to remember is the subconscious mind has no language. 
the words that we're using today to converse are from the conscious mind. So the subconscious mind will communicate in images, sometimes literal, sometimes metaphorical. Again, that's what makes it hard as a, a, a you know a therapist is is that snake a snake or is it your mother? <laughs> uh, you know, we have to kind of try and get the story for that. Mm-hmm. So she sees herself in this room, um, and she's in the corner, and she says, "There's an invisible barrier in front of me that stops me going in the room," and she sees lots of people outside of the room looking in. And she says something that was so profound. She felt separated from everybody and she had a longing to be in that room. It's a real powerful word. She didn't want or it would be nice. It was a longing to be. And again, as a therapist with the art form, it's the words that the client is speaking, you know, tell such a story. Um, so we go into the regression and she regresses to five-year-old and we enter into the regression in a very dark room and she sees disassociated so she doesn't go into it and this is often when there's big trauma you know the mind doesn't even allow you to go in she says i can see a man lying on the floor and then she sees her five-year-old self naked lying next to him so at that point, we are very sensitive about the reliving. You know, the command would be experience enough to understand, but we're not going to push them into a rape or, you know, sexual abuse or physical abuse. Just experience enough to understand. And the picture, you know, you're all nodding now. You're kind of getting an idea that something good didn't happen in that room. Mm-hmm. So we find out through the story that this is a neighbour. So she starts to realise as the adult of today, yes, I remember, I never liked that man. That's all she was aware of. Um, But this was a repressed memory. When a child goes through trauma, a lot of the time, the consciousness will leave the body. Sometimes the consciousness goes back and it's okay. But many times in deep trauma, like sexual abuse, is the consciousness sees the body is not a safe place and it doesn't go back. Mm. So we start energy work and we see the consciousness of the five-year-old is still in the room. She's 35-year-old now. So for 30 years, that part of her consciousness has been stuck in the room. And what is the five-year-old doing? She's standing in the corner looking out of a window. So now the image at the beginning where we see the adult behind an invisible barrier, longing to be out, seeing people looking in, is the child's consciousness standing looking out at the window, which caused the separation. When there is such a huge part of yourself missing, relationships become very difficult because you're not present. You know, there's a huge part of you out of the body. Then we see the adult, and it was a really strange image to see. The adult had her heart 
clasped in her hands. So initially in the client gestured with a, like a clasping and so the question was, what is it? What are you doing with it? It looked as though she was squeezing the heart. But actually what she was doing was she was protecting the heart. Mm. So she had the hands around the heart. So again, to move into a relationship with a heart that's so protected mm. is not going to be an open space for a relationship. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. So we healed, we retrieved the consciousness from the room. We took it to a point where the heart wasn't clasped anymore, covered. Um, And just before Christmas, she entered into a new relationship. That's beautiful. Very excited about it. Um, Just so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you see when you start finding the story, healing it, removing the blocks, the old belief systems, it opens up a brand new space for anything to be possible. Mm. How many sessions did she take with you? Three. Three? Yeah. And how long for each session? Session normally runs between two and two and a half hours. Okay. So, you know, as Dana said, I've trained in things like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a cognitive therapy, a mind therapy. Mm. That kind of healing I don't know that you would ever achieve with those modalities. If you did, you'd be talking about therapy for years. Mm -hmm. So what would have in the past took years to do with these very advanced therapies um, that are moving and developing all of the time, we can heal something in three, four sessions Mm -hmm. at the deepest levels. Mm -hmm. I like that. So the, the, you know, the therapies are Mm mind-blowing. And is there... In in those cases where it's it's a big trauma and something that they were not even aware of in their past, is there an an instant sense of relief or is there kind of a grief period where they're kind of grappling with all of this new information? That's so insightful of you, Dana, because absolutely, you know, you bring it into the present, you bring it into the conscious awareness, and that can bring a lot of shock oh my god did that really happen to me um but in the healing process we deal with that at the same time so we don't let the client disintegrate into that we have healing interventions to be able to deal with also the adult Mm. that's just learned this new information Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely wow so what is the the difference between what I've heard you call holistic healing compared to other types of healing where it might be just focusing on one issue and not bringing the full body and mind and spirit and everything together. Absolutely. And and that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of therapies, and I'm not dissing any therapy, Mm -hmm. any modality, because we need this range because, like you said, Lam, you know, do you work with people where it, there's no fit? Absolutely. So by having this choice is beautiful. And we need to remember we are holistic beings. So we have a mind, we have a physical body, we have an energy body in the meridian body. And on top to make everything even more confusing is we are a soul. Um, so the first thing that we have to really understand is where does the issue lie? Because an inner child 
like you mentioned at the beginning, is not physical. Your five-year-old self is not physical. It's an energy that sits in the energy body, but also they have belief systems that sit in your own mind. So we have to be able to go into all of these places at the same time. So in a session, we'll be working with belief systems of the mind, the um, energy body will even in life between lives and when we look at life purpose and the questions of why am I here, we're working on a soul level and we're moving in and out holistically, integrated in one session. If you don't do that and say you have an inner child issue and you go to a therapy that deals with just the mind, it's like having toothache and going to a car mechanic and saying, can you fix this? <laughs> Either it won't work or they'll get pliers, try and pull it out and make it 10 times worse. <laughs> so with this holistic approach, it means that we're working on all of these parts of ourselves at exactly the same time. So we're in and out of all of these, you know, the psyche and the soul and the energy body. Um, the other thing very much is, you know, the therapist is like a conductor. We're conducting the session, but we're a temporary resource. You know, the whole part of this therapy is to get people in it, out it, and let them go and live a full life. Mm -hmm. Not be stuck having to come back and see me for the next three years. Mm -hmm. You know, so that as well when you're working with deep personal transformation means the job's done. It's finished, now go and enjoy life. I only see clients back as if there's another area of their life that they want to work on, you know, as a separate kind of case. Mm -hmm. um, Very efficient. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Get it done. Get it done. And I don't want to see you again about this <laughs> issue. It means that something, you know, we've missed something. Mm -hmm. And it's also an incredible part of evolution. Um, you know, we're here to evolve as souls and as humans, and it's a fast track to evolution because through the process, we're not only kind of solving the problem, we're finding out how it occurred, why it wasn't resolved before now, you know, maybe it's why it's got worse. And that's what evolution is all about. Mm. Why did it happen? How did it happen? Why hasn't it healed? And when we bring that all together and we understand it, then there's an evolution of the mind, the soul, the body, everything. Mm. So this is when you work holistically is also something that comes into play. Got it. That was a beautiful explanation. Thank you. Do you work with Vietnamese clients and uh, Western or foreigner clients? Yes. Yeah. They have to be English speaking. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So my Vietnamese clients, because there is a level of communication, mm -hmm. I've tried to do it through somebody who is... Like a translator? Translator, uh -huh. thank you for that. <laughs> Word was completely gone. Um, and it's very difficult because it's not responsive enough. Yeah. Um, you know, by the time you've done the translation, the client's snapped out of the, you know, the trance and the experience. Mm. So as long as the English speaking, yes. Mm -hmm. And have you seen patterns in certain kinds of trauma in Vietnamese clients versus in foreign clients or or is it not like that? 
I mean, you see the humanness in yeah. all clients. Mm-hmm. You know, we all kind of fall at the same hurdles or, you know, we're impacted by the same things. One thing that I've noticed with my Vietnamese clients is there's a lot of relationship issues. Um, and when you look at the generational things not being digested, you see that coming through that, you know, the generations, maybe it's the father or the grandfather that fought in the war, you know, because this is a country that very recently had that um energy in that experience for a lot of people is, you know, they came back from the war very disintegrated, you know, shell-shocked, you know, where literally it is that process of, in the horror of what they saw and experienced, the consciousness left and it's still there. Mm. Also, you have things like the code of the soldier, is it's the camaraderie that I won't leave you. You know, we're in this together. So they may have lost somebody on the, the, you know, in the war, on the battlefield, and part of their consciousness is stuck there. So they come back disintegrated and there's nobody to talk to. You know, therapies like this aren't readily available. It's not of their age. So what they learn to do is just to hold it all in. Mm. They don't talk about it Mm -hmm. and it festers. Mm. And we see that then coming through the generations of not being able to express, of holding things in. And then that starts as the child grows into the adult, manifests in relationship issues. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've very much seen as well. Mm -hmm. And does that translate for you too, Lam, in, in your Vietnamese clients? My clients, yes. Just yesterday, I just realized that I actually been working as like a relationship coach because <laughs> most of them come to me with relationship issues. And um, what Rachel just described, she literally described my grandfather and my father. Mm-hmm. So my grandpa, he passed away a year ago. He was he used to be a lieutenant mm. back in the war time, and yeah, when he came back, he just became kind of like desensitized yeah and he he got easily triggered and shouted at everyone and but like the next minute he just like you know like back to like okay or even like blank yeah 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 and so my dad growing up he had issues with expressing his emotions because no one ever taught him how and and he had really like difficult relationship with my mother which led to a divorce 15 years ago because they couldn't communicate yeah mm-hmm. and so growing up like witnessing all that you know kind of like has taught me a lot like what it's like you know like to be um in their shoes and what i can do now to um avoid those situations because back in the past I had the same issues because I was just like a, a product of my dad and my mom mm-hmm. and they had those issues so I was carrying um, my dad and mom's energy absolutely until I became quite aware enough to learn that this is not my energy yeah. so what is mine then 
And then I started a quest to look for what is mine and what is not. And so gradually I learned to distinguish. So what is my energy? What is my emotions? And what are the others? So it's for me, it's like a more like a process, a gradual process. It didn't happen just like after three, four days or a few sessions, I wish. <laughs> But yep. it just took so much effort. Mm. But uh, at the same time, I'm really grateful for all those experiences because now I have like hands-on experience to help my clients, especially, especially my Vietnamese clients because mm. I can really feel their pain and their sufferings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also like just to tell you like for all those Vietnamese audience that are listening to this podcast that you can heal yourself and it's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The challenge that we have is if we look at the studies of Albert Einstein is you know he showed us through quantum physics that energy cannot die. Yeah. It simply transforms. So that energy that's coming down through generations to from your grandfather to your father, that you felt also that you've been able to heal for yourself, but that energy is there somewhere. And the risk is that it jumps you down to your children because it can jump a generation. So we have beautiful processes where we do ancestral and generational healing where we find that it's in the DNA and we heal it on a DNA, on an energy level um, so that the energy is transformed completely. Yes. You know, we transform it into, you know, we tend to use commands of an energy that will serve humanity well. Um, and, you know, and we give that back to the universe because it has to go somewhere. It, it will just continue to transform and move through generations. So somebody somewhere eventually has to deal with that yep. and take that disintegration yes. um, and heal it completely. And then in future generations, there'll be no trace of it. Yeah, there has to be someone, a certain generation, someone yes. that is strong enough Absolutely. to take all those pain and then transmute it into something powerful. And then, then something new can start. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I took a vow to myself when I was 15, like, until I heal myself, I'm not going to start family or have children. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I just know that if I don't do anything about it, I will just treat them exactly the way that my parents treat me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the response that your family has had like are they aware that you're kind of going through this healing process and that and that you're aware of these issues that have been passed down do they kind of take it offensively because I've kind of heard that in conversation too that once someone kind of starts healing and is like oh I, I see this is what happened like it comes from my parents and then maybe the parents are like oh so i i screwed you up is that what you're saying kind of thing mm -hmm. well if i confront them like that probably that that would be the way that they respond to the situation because they're still adult kids and they're in a child in, in a child it's still so wounded that they cannot take this much of like truth mm -hmm. but It's not even their job now. It's my job, mm -hmm. you know, to take the responsibility and to heal myself and to become the parents that I always wanted to have. Mm -hmm. So I don't 
I I used to I used to really have this like desire just you know to come to them and to tell them what I just realized and let's all heal together and you know let's you know let's make a difference in our family then I realized like wait a minute that's just also like a desire coming from this inner child and so the more I work with myself and talked myself into growing up I feel like this desire it gets kind of like weaker and now I don't really feel the need even to get any kind of acknowledgement from them anymore mm-hmm. I'm just okay with myself growing up and I don't even really care much if they are even aware of I'm changing or not mm-hmm. but one thing that I noticed that uh, since I started changing my uh, like my mindset my dad is changing and I'm sure he's not even aware of that. Mm. It's like, so after the divorce, so back in the time, he's he's really like um, into music. We used to have even like a music room with this, just exactly like this room, but it's like five times bigger. Yeah. And everything was just equipped with like high-end equipment. It's beautiful. And we have, you know, vinyl that playing like jazz and Michael Jackson <laughs> and the Beatles and, and stuff. And after the, the divorce, he just stopped uh, playing music. Mm-hmm. He just stopped even like get, going into that room. Everything was just like dusted. And, and he barely entered that room for 10 years until recently. After I had like somewhat like a, a breakthrough, I, I couldn't remember what it was about. But that day, I heard him like coming upstairs, clean up the room, and started playing the music <laughs> after like 10 years. Wow. And the whole house just sounded like alive again. And I just, I just knew that this is how it works. Like when you change, people around you change and you don't even need to tell them or force them to change mm. because we're all connected. I think he realized something in me shifted mm. because I became much calmer and I became less, how to say, reactive. Mm. I respond, I don't react mm. much anymore. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, calms him down too. Yeah. And so, yeah, everything is like slowly, gradually, improving yeah that's beautiful (laughs) thank you well i'm really glad that you were able to present these really clear case studies with the imagery of it like holding the heart in the hands and and like the feeling these people had because i think that's what will really stick in people's minds Mm -hmm. like the stories you've told me when we've had conversations in the past like it just gives me something to hold on to and think about oh yeah that guy like he he found this issue in the past and connected it back and it's just really helpful to have that understanding and as well as the understanding of holistic healing and that it's all kind of integrated and the reason why it's better to know the full story than to remain blissfully unaware (laughs) I think that is like the biggest lesson and I think the hardest one to grasp because it it's kind of scary to think about oh I have to 
go back and there's potentially something really fucked up that happened to me in the past. But just hearing the transformation of the clients that you've worked with, it's like, ah, this is why. This is why we have to do this. So thank you for that. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. And so up until now, you've been only working one-on-one with people, right? But now you are wanting to move into doing something a little different with yes. some workshops. So yes. can you tell us about that? Yes, I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will always love one-on-ones and they'll always be the core of my business because you can get the full story and the deep transformation. But they're restrictive, you know, in two and a half hours well it takes me an hour more because I have meditations to do then I have to clean spaces you know energy um, you know so it's a big chunk um, and helping that one person is wonderful and it, you know it is a an honor and a privilege what I want to also balance that with is to be able to work with bigger groups of people yes we won't go as deep Um, Because in a group session, I can't ask individual questions and have 10 people give me the answer when they're in an altered state of consciousness. But we can get insights and understanding and levels of healing. So this is something that I'm really interested in doing moving on. I've already done quite a few workshops um, and the response has been phenomenal. We did some on healing and happiness the holistic way on how we bring happiness again the fact that we're a mind a body you know an energy body and a soul um and they were great fun and there was so much that came out of those Mm. so i've been working on more workshops and about to launch four specifically so the first one that we're doing is it's looking at group dynamics and energy so we use a group of eight people and they're working perfectly at the beginning of the year because we tend to set New Year's resolutions. Mm. Um, New Year's resolutions don't work for numerous reasons and we could have a whole (laughs) podcast on that. (laughs) So we use energy and intention to manifest, but we use the group to do that. Um, So it allows each of the group to set their intention, but have the power of the entire group to boost that into manifestation. So we're running those at the moment. So any groups of people that feels or they would like to do that, they just have to let me know there's eight of them. We have a beautiful location that we use in Taudin um, and we can run that. So that's about people coming with a group of friends, maybe you're part of a ladies group or a networking group and you really kind of want to get 2020 off to a, you know, an incredible start. So we're running those workshops at the moment. Would that uh, one be, is that like a one-time thing or is yeah, it something you continue? Yeah, that's three hours. Okay. That's a three-hour workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is a three-day program. So we'll probably run that on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So people would only maybe need to negotiate a little bit of time off work on a Friday. <laughs> And we're working on the unseen family legacy. So everything, a lot, what we've been talking about today has been family issues, mothers and fathers and grandfathers. So we look at things like youth regression. So we go into our own story. We then look at the family triangle. So what did we bring from the parents and how is that impacting the life? 
Um, we go into family field. So that is like you said about the energy going back and retrieving what we lost. So it's, we work on the energy of the family. Um, then we go into generational and ancestral issues. So we can find things that are coming through the generation and heal those. And then we finish with existential lines, which is the tapestry of the family network that holds us mm-hmm. and where it's working. Maybe we've got an overpowering family and the tapestry is woven too tight. Maybe it's too loose and we keep falling through the tapestry and losing our kind of foundation. Mm-hmm. So we go into the tapestry of the family. So that's the a three-day program. The second one is also a three-day program, um, and that's looking at organ regeneration and deep tissue memory. Wow. So this is beautiful work. So this is working with the physical body mm-hmm. because the physical body gives us the story. Um, so we look at the consciousness in the cells. We look at the DNA blueprint, um, and we heal on a DNA level, on the physical level. So this is beautiful work. And then the last one is a two-day program on spiritual beauty and wellness. Mm. So we're looking at the physical looks of life. Um, We look at the inner and outer scars, um, the kind of convictions we have around how you feel about your external beauty. So perhaps a woman that's had a hysterectomy has that internal scar that maybe she lost her femininity and when she looks in the mirror she doesn't see the beautiful woman because that radiance has stopped you know when you meet somebody and they're just radiant it's not necessarily physical beauty yeah but there's just a beautiful radiance so we look at this Mm -hmm. um the balance of the body in being is one of the areas that we cover um, and that's the inner healing and the outer shine, so this radiance. Mm. So what inside us stops us from radiating out and also into physical beauty as well. So when we do this, we see differences in the hair, it becomes very glossy and mm. shiny. You know, the nails start to grow, your skin, you know, all of the breakouts start to disappear when we balance the inner and outer beauty. Um, and then we bring the presence into the cells as well. Mm. Uh, so that's an incredible workshop as well. So those are the ones that we're looking at at the moment. Wow, that um, sounds amazing. And I'll share them with you in detail. Yeah. Um, but if anybody's interested, they can contact me directly. Um, and then I can let them know as we set the dates. But they are limited spaces. The groups are only eight to ten people. Mm. So they fill up very quickly. Um, because I have to be able to give people individual attention as well. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Yes. That sounds amazing, <laughs> and I can I can feel your energy and excitement yes. and passion for this. I can't and wait. I think the one <laughs> question I actually didn't ask you is, what is your motivation or what is your why behind all of this that you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think what keeps me in this work because like you said in the intro I've trained in a lot of things yeah that just ended up not resonating or you know so I trained in Reiki and I do use Reiki energy in sessions but not as a separate modality Mm. um it's the it's the therapies are mind-blowing and how effective 
effective they are. Um, that's what keeps me so in it and seeing people not change but transform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had the CEO of a, a company um, message me after two sessions and said, I feel liberated. Mm-hmm. And that just resonates of, you know, where I can now see him going as a CEO, as a man, as a father, mm-hmm. as a husband is just you know it's mind-blowing you see lives changing but they've done the work you know I'm not in any way saying this is because I'm you know so wonderful the clients Mm self-heal so I think those are the you know the reasons that I do it it's difficult work yeah you know I have to learn not to carry very traumatic stories around with me Um, but I have ways of being able to deal with that Mm -hmm. but the end result and what I'm learning about people and how complex we are. And, you know, I can see you both smiling there. You're kind of, you know, you're getting it. Yeah. And then the universe that we live in, you know, it's there's so much to it. And these working in this way really helps me to evolve. And sometimes often people like me and you, Lamb, as well, is this is a very karmic life for us where perhaps we've had, I find this a lot with people who work in healing, is in past lives, they've had powers that they've abused. You've, they've used for their own gain and they've hurt people, which creates the karma. And then we incarnate into a life where we rebalance the scales and we use it for good. So perhaps for me, this is a very karmic life. <laughs> 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 I'm it. putting back. I'm putting right all the things I did wrong <laughs> in other lives. Yeah, I, I used to joke with like my friend back then. Like probably I must have done something like really bad. Yeah, it's that concept. Yeah, and I'm like I must have like I don't know like sold a whole country to another country, and I mean like. That that can only that can explain like why I just I had to go through what I went through because there's no other way to explain like how this could happen. This is <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think you're right on that, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely in this age, you know, we're in incredible space of the evolution of humanity and human consciousness. Where in the past and previous lives, it was a choice. Now we're being forced to awaken. Um, yeah. And it's part of a much bigger story that's going on. So people are now being forced to deal with stuff that they haven't for lifetimes before. Mm. Um, but the evolution that we experience as individual personalities is much greater. And that's very much happening now. So yeah. it's an exciting time to be alive. Yeah. Time to grow up, people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Take <laughs> responsibility. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag grow up. <laughs> no pain, no gain. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, well, is there anything I didn't ask you or anything else that you wanted to say that you think is important? Um, no, I think you're art form of questioning has been beautifully delivered 
Um, and I think it's a lot for people to think about. Yes. And just take time to digest and see what resonates. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's with just a little bit of a deeper understanding, maybe it's of their, you know, they can see things in their own story. Ah, um, you know, but then I would just, you know, offer the words of do something about it. Mm-hmm. You're here to do your own work. You're here specifically to sort these things out. And the quicker you do it and you do the healing and you remove the blocks, life is designed to be easy and effortless. Even in this rocky world that we live in of ups and downs, we're designed to go and be able to move with that flow. It's just doing the work that allows you to step into that space. Mm -hmm. So like you say, you know, grow up, take responsibility, (laughs) do your own work. It's what you're here for. Mm -hmm. It's not a byproduct or something to do when you've got nothing else to do. Fundamentally, on a soul level, that's exactly what you're here to do. Mm. And there's people out there to support Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, two of them right in this room. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Any final thoughts from you, Lam? Well, I just thought of this like image of a person learns to surf and you know, it's just like the waves. They're kind of low waves and then there are much higher waves. And when you learn to ride on like pretty okay mellow waves and then there there come another like higher waves and you might fall down but it doesn't mean that you're not good enough or you're not worthy you just need to learn how to surf better and there are people out there you know like willing to help you anytime so just learn to surf (laughs) (laughs) I love that surf the big waves yes Yes. (laughs) wow it's so beautiful Uh, all right well then that is it. I will be sure to follow up with Rachel on all the details of the workshops and make sure they are available to the audience, um, as well as if anyone is interested in one-on-one sessions as well. I'll provide her contact information. Thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. This was amazing. And I think this is really one of those episodes where people are going to have to listen to two or three times, you know, to like (laughs) really let it all sink in. And I think that from both of you, there were a lot of great images um, to really describe it to help us remember and see more clearly. So thank you both for that. It's been great. Thank you you so much. much. It's been a joy.